produced by the iLab at WBUR Boston. Welcome to Kind World. I'm Yasmeen Ammer. And I'm Andrea Aswahi. We all make big plans in life, like what we want to be when we grow up or what kind of family we want to have. And then as we get older, we think about how we're going to reach those goals. What's the recipe for success? And some of us, like me, we have step-by-step blueprints of how we're going to get there. But as you probably already know, that's not how life works. In this week's Kind World, I have a story about life's unexpected turns and how others' compassion can help us get through its worst moments. My father was was an alcoholic and very abusive to my mother. And she was a waitress. And she never felt like she was financially independent enough to make a separation. Lynn Schutzman, now almost 70, learned a lesson from her mother's experience. Always be self-sufficient. One of the things that I wanted to make sure from a very early age was that one day I would be able to take care of myself no matter what. Lynn grew up in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, a suburb outside of Philadelphia. She knew her way out of a tumultuous home life would be through education. She liked science and math and was good at both. She eventually got her pharmacy degree, and with that, a ticket to a comfortable life. I knew that, that I had made the right decision. Plus, I loved my job, working with people all day long. What, you know, what? What, what, what else could you ask for? Well, maybe a happy marriage which Lynn had with her husband, Norman, who was also a pharmacist. The couple tried to have kids, but couldn't because of medical reasons. Then, after 23 years together, Norman died of a heart condition. He was only 47 years old. I was so mad because he promised he would never leave me. He promised me. It's like I just felt that, you know, like he left me. He left me here to battle this alone. Not long after Lynn's husband died, she got really sick. A series of strokes. It took her two years to recover and return to work. A decade later, Lynn got sick again. Breast cancer, thyroid issues, kidney failure. At one point, she was wheelchair-bound for six months, and her lingering mobility issues meant she couldn't go back to work. Medical bills piled up, Lynn fell behind on her mortgage, and her savings dwindled. That, that's kind of then what happened. It's like just stress, stress, stress until it was like there was just nothing, nothing left. She eventually moved from her big house to a small apartment, but she fell behind on payments and had to leave that too. So many memories, so many, so many of my pieces um, that my husband and I got when we were traveling. So yes, it was very, very, very hard at the time to think that I had to leave all that behind. But, you know, like, what, what was I to do? She did the only thing she could. Pack up her car with as much as she could fit in, mainly her two dogs. She looked around for affordable housing. Nothing. And her modest Social Security check made her ineligible for assistance. Lynn tried homeless shelters, but was told she'd have to give up her dogs, which wasn't an option. They were her only family. So Lynn stayed in her car and out of sight. I didn't want to have to explain to people that, you know, I don't have a home. You, you, feel like, you feel like somewhere you had to have failed. You accomplished all this, but now here you are in the gutter. And, and you don't want people to know. You don't want to ask for help. 
After 43 years as a pharmacist, Lynn could have never imagined starting her days like this. She'd go to McDonald's to wash up, and then drive around, trying to avoid the patients she had once helped through an illness, or the co-workers that she'd once mentored. Every month, she saved up enough money to buy a couple nights at a motel, so that she could shower and get a good night's rest. She was trying to survive, and did this for two years, until one day, it all became too much. I had a uh, dollar, I think it was like a dollar six in my pocket, and I had no dog food. And I came back to the car and I was very, very upset because I realized I was going to have to surrender the dog because I couldn't, I couldn't feed them that night. Despite Lynn's best efforts to remain under the radar, someone had noticed her. 39-year-old Melissa Akasha, who also happens to be a pharmacist. She didn't know who Lynn was at the time, but she suspected something was wrong when she saw her car packed to the brim with two dogs in the back seat. She mentioned it to her neighbor, a 44-year-old former social worker. And together, they decided to approach Lynn. We knocked, and she couldn't turn the car on because she had no gas and couldn't roll the window down. So we were talking to her through the crack in the window, and we said, is everything okay? And she said, yeah, I'm okay. But by the sad look on Lynn's face, they could clearly see she wasn't. Melissa's neighbor, Jennifer Husband Elsier, instantly posted this message on a social media app called Nextdoor. Does anybody know anything about the woman who's living underneath the Target parking lot with her two dogs? And everybody was like, what? That post got a lot of attention. And to Lynn's surprise, more people started approaching her. All afternoon, people kept showing up at the car. They were bringing me food and water, and, and I just couldn't believe it. By the end of the day, there was no room in the car for me. I had so much water and so much dog food. I cried all night. I, I couldn't sleep. I just cried, thinking that, you know, it's like, this is divine intervention. God knew that, you know, I was at my lowest point, and he brought this wonderful community around to help me. Melissa and Jennifer weren't done yet. Ten days later, and after a lot of searching, they found a small studio apartment for Lynn and raised enough money from the community to pay its rent for the next two years. A dozen volunteers helped furnish it, all with donated items. Lynn remembers the moment when she stepped foot in her new home. Jennifer captured it on video. You can see Lynn completely overwhelmed with emotion. She put her hand over her mouth, trying to contain her sobs. Everyone around her was also crying. It's like I couldn't believe it. Everything was like set up and down to, to like the little potted plants and, you know, everything. I, I, I was just so taken away. And all the, all the people that had helped were here and, you know, to welcome me in and like uh, just absolutely amazing. Lynn thanked everyone around her. And they took turns giving her hugs. And it was just overwhelming to see this woman's life change right in front of my eyes. The volunteers added so many thoughtful touches to the apartment. They got a copy of Lynn's pharmacy diploma and framed it. Across from that is another frame with a quote on it. Wear this ring upon your finger as I wear your love upon my soul. It's the same quote Lynn's husband engraved on her engagement ring. 
the one she was forced to sell when money got tight. To this day, Lynn's neighbors stop by to drop off food or help walk the dogs. Lynn's life changed, and so did Melissa and Jennifer's. They'd both been going through personal struggles of their own, involving family or work. She gave me a reason to live again, um, a reason to get out of bed every day, a reason to put a smile on my face so I won't ever be as alone as I was because I really didn't have someone like her in my life. I mean, I really, I needed her, and I didn't know it. Yeah, it's time for your dinner, son. Lynn's been living in her new apartment since May. There's a sign on her front door that says home. These days, she doesn't spend as much time thinking about what she's lost, but what she's gained. For the longest time, you know, I, I had been feeling alone, and, and I just feel so lucky uh, to, be, to be in this, this, this area with this community. It's, it's like, like, like a whole new opening for me and a whole new family. None of this was part of Lynn's original plan. She did everything right. The right education, the right job, the right marriage. But still, there was so much misfortune outside of her control. Misfortune that could have happened to anyone. She thinks about others in that same situation. And she hopes all of us can step up to ask our neighbors that simple, life-changing question. Is everything okay? We'll be right back after the break. The world's clean energy future relies on ancient elements still in the ground. Without mining, there will not be a clean energy transition. But pulling them out of the ground comes at an environmental and human cost. Mining is intrusive, but the results are the building blocks for products that we use every single day. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. Join me on point for Elements of Energy, Mining for a Green Future, five special episodes. Listen and follow On Point wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Kind World. I'm Yasmin Amr. And I'm Andrea Aswahe. Yasmin, having community is so important, especially during tough times. But like Lynn said, it's tough to ask for help, especially when it comes to money. And in her case, she was doing well, but she got sick. And that happens to a lot of people in this country. A lot of people. Like, government numbers say one in eight Americans has an overdue medical bill. And of course, we can get into all of the reasons why that happens so often. Yeah, of course. But the undeniable fact is that debt is a huge problem in this country. And that's not just medical debt. Most Americans have some sort of debt, be it housing or credit cards, even student loans. Which brings us to our next story of kindness. Okay, curious how that reminded you of kindness. So this is about a community that's coming together to help each other get out of debt. I mean, that is as real as it gets, some life-changing kindness right there. Okay, I'm very curious. How are they doing this? I spoke to a woman named Marguerite McDonald. She's a scientist at a biotech company in Philly. And back in 2011-2012, Marguerite joined a local church called Circle of Hope, and while she was in service one day, she learns that some of its members get together to pay off each other's debt. And when Marguerite heard this, she was floored. 
I was in um, graduate school after college, and I had a lot of consumer debt at the time. And so I was like, oh, I can't wait to figure out more about this. So at the time, Marguerite was carrying around $8,000 worth of credit card debt in addition to student loans. And she admits a lot of that debt was due to bad financial decisions. Yes, most of us are guilty to some extent. But this was really starting to affect her life, especially going into her first job, which was a postdoctoral, which, you know, it's a coveted research position that doesn't pay very much. And just never really able to make my paycheck last through the month. And I would just, so the debt just increased and I would just spend money on whatever I needed. I wasn't saving any money. I was just trying to figure out, man, how do I pay down my student loans and my credit card debt now? I can totally relate. That is our eternal question for our generation. So what did she do? Because most people are only focused on paying down their own debt. Well, that's what makes the community aspect of this so cool. Marguerite's church raised a modest seed fund, like an eight to $10,000 loan to get each group of debt annihilators going. That's what they call themselves. Then each group member continues paying off their minimum payments, business as usual. But here's where the kindness comes in. They pay a bit more to pay off another group member's debt. They usually tackle the ones with the highest interest first. It's this rolling bit of money that helps keep this group sustainable. And it all started like as gifts and loans and people committing to this group and paying not only each other's debts, but paying back in so that someone else can can benefit. Okay, I get it. So this group, they take turns paying off each other's debt and they actually end up paying less money in total because they pay off higher interest faster. Exactly. And it's not just good math. This is also about community support. Marguerite appreciated the accountability. She learned really practical skills, like creating a budget from her peers who took the time to teach her. And for the two years it took to pay off her debt, she had a group she can turn to. Just being there to listen, oh man, you need a new roof and you don't have a savings account, like, we're here with you. (laughs) In addition to getting out of debt, I think you get out of, you know, get rid of the shame that surrounds it and also figure out a new way to think about money. So Marguerite said some people like her do have credit card debt, yes, but some are caretakers helping take care of family members. Some have medical debt. Some have lost jobs. And they help each other through those messy life moments. So I have to ask, Has Marguerite paid off her debt? She paid off her credit card debt, which is great news. She does still have some student debt, but she's fortunately moving through that more quickly now because she has a better paying job. And she's giving back. She gave money to help replenish the church's seed fund, and she's leading her congregation's debt annihilation team. Because it doesn't just stop with her. She wants to see other members get out of debt, too. I mean, my next goal is to see if we can take it outside the fringes of the church. You know, the future is wide open here, and I'm going to stick with it. Thanks to Marguerite McDonald for speaking to us about her kind and supportive church community. And we'd love to hear about how your community came together to help someone through a rough time. 
send us an email, kindworld at wbur.org. Next week on Kind World, Mark Pareto and Luke Hutchins may have never crossed paths, but in the aftermath of a life-changing accident, the two men set off together on a journey of forgiveness and understanding. It's just totally amazing how you can go from not liking each other to talking about everything with each other. This really helped me understand that a complete stranger could become your best friend. Kind World is a production of WBUR, Boston's NPR station. Paul Vikis and Matt Reed do our sound design, and Iris Adler is our executive producer. I'm reporter and producer Yasmin Amr. And I'm reporter and producer Andrea Aswahe. Start your weekend off with some good news. Sign up for our newsletter called The Care Package. We've got lots of kind stories delivered right to your inbox. Go to our website, wbur.org slash kindworld to sign up. And we have a favor to ask you. If you like our show, then please subscribe and leave us a review. It's really important. That's how other people find us. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week.